Hello, welcome to Don't Call Me Exotic. I'm O Aniel. I'm a DJ, radio presenter, and promoter. This is the podcast where I invite people in the creative field to come talk to me about diversity, culture, personal experiences of racism, both in their life and in their careers. I'd like to welcome my next guest, DJ and radio presenter, George. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? <laughs> Good. Are you uh, ready to solve some racism? I'm ready. <laughs> we have the answers and I'm ready to solve. This is the podcast where we solve racism, guys. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm touched and honoured <laughs> that you think I have anything sensible to say. Very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, this is a project that means a lot to me. So I'm really grateful for your time. Do you want to introduce yourself? Well, I am George. I'm a DJ and radio broadcaster on, am I a broadcaster? Radio presenter on Rinse FM um, from London. That's me, George, the DJ. We obviously met through DJing Mm -hmm. and parties and stuff, but you were working in film before. Yeah, I was working in TV production. Yeah. So I was at a production company alongside DJing. And then it just got too much. I was like turning down a lot of DJing gigs because I was had this nine to five job. So then I quit and I was like, oh, let me see if I can do this DJ thing full time. Yeah. Let's give it a go. And here we are years later. So you run um, Girls Can't DJ. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. So Girls Can't DJ is a platform and database um, created to abolish gender imbalance in lineups clubs festivals and also teach women and non-binary people how to dj through workshops so yeah it's just like it's a database of djs um female djs from all over the world and you can search by city by genre so there's no excuse to not have more ladies on your lineups so you're fighting sexism as well i'm fighting (laughs) All, All of the it. injustices. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm fighting. I stay fighting in my sleep. How has your last 12 months been? Yeah, it's been a lot. I mean, I wasn't very well. I was a bit poorly at the beginning of last year. Then we have lockdown. Then we have a race war. Mm-hmm. And we have all these horrible things happening in the world. And obviously you're a DJ as well. For us, it's just been our identity. It's been hard to like have an identity. It's been kind of non-existent Mm -hmm. because there hasn't really been anything happening for us at all. So yeah, yeah, the last 12 months have been a struggle, but we're here to tell the tale. So I'm pleased that we've survived. I've just been focusing on like surviving. Yeah. So how was BLM for you? Um, BLM was really hard. I think... It, it obviously when George Floyd, when that happened, it was like the height of lockdown as well. Yeah, in summer, so the my everyone's mindset's already very on edge, very anxious, um, depression, real thing. We're in the middle of lockdown. No one really knows what's going on. It was like all heightened. It was yeah, and then it, it was, was like, completely oh. heightened because then you're you have no other distractions there's nothing else that you're doing you don't have your normal day-to-day where you'd go off to work or you have something to distract yourself like that's all um 
you're focused on, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And being in lockdown, you're having, I think, I guess, depending on who you live with and who you're surrounding yourself with could affect how it affected you more. Like the people that I was in lockdown with, my housemates are all people of color, um, three of us being black, one um, Asian, all very politically minded. So we all, it, it hit us all hard. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it a lot. We were riling each other up. If I was locked down in a different household, who knows? Like, I mean, I'm sure I would have felt the same, but maybe not as intensely. Um, a lot of our conversations around that time were just completely about race. Like it got to a point where we we were a very much a Black Panther household. Yeah. Um, it was really intense, but also gave, I guess, a sense of community. And it was nice knowing everyone was as angered as each other. Yeah. We're all kind of on the same page. But I mean, it was a really hard time and it's just, it, it messed me up. Honestly, mm -hmm. like I was really angry for a long time I was just so so angry yeah. and I, I realized like this it isn't feasible to be this angry I yeah. can't continue so yeah. I found outlets to um I guess focus that energy on but yeah, yeah it, it was a hard time that anger that you're talking about I've been really struggling with it because yeah. it feels like everything triggers you because mm. white supremacy is everywhere anything you do and i was just even getting triggered just watching like i was trying to like switch off and watch like a film or a tv show on netflix and then i just be like oh why isn't there any representation in this cast like Honestly. everything would trigger me so one of the reasons why this podcast to me was so important to do is i needed to channel that anger into something that felt positive and not just me losing my mind at yeah. everything within life following blm you set up black joy archives yeah so tell me a bit about i did that. so yeah I, I as i said i was just i was so angry and like you found this podcast to channel that energy into i started a radio show on rinse fm um called black joy archives and it's basically i think i turned off my phone for a few days because everything on social media and even though obviously it's great that everyone was sharing stuff everything was just negative like my blackness yeah. was just yeah everything to do with blackness was just in negative connotations yeah. and I was like no but there's also so much joy in being black and there's so much like happiness like I'm so happy to be black as much as we're treated like shit people of color um <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world so I started yeah Black Joy Archives is a radio show and basically I get 20 or so of my friends, family members, I've had my grandma on it, cousins, friends, and I asked them each to pick a song that um, is important or inherent to their black experience in any way. It could be any song, any genre, any decade, and they do a little like 30 second introduction, a story about what that song means to them, then we play the song. That's so cute. And, yeah, and it was <laughs> nice because when the process of even making the show was really therapeutic because it meant that I had to, rather than just sending a message, like I'd call each person up and explain the show. Mm -hmm. And then we'd get talking 
and and then they're like, oh my god this song and then we're talking about music and i end up having yeah. like long conversations with you know even aunts and uncles that i may not have spoken to recently or people that our conversations at the time were very negative and very like anger fueled and driven it was nice to just talk about our blackness but in a nice yeah. way yeah um and i think music is the perfect way to kind of share share that what, share song, our what song would you pick i've picked i've picked um i've picked one for each show i think even the first one i picked two because i just couldn't pick it's your show um, whatever yeah exactly i can do what i want <laughs> just be me picking songs yeah, exactly. that's essentially our whole livelihood <laughs> exactly. so um one of the songs i picked the first song I picked was, I think it was Louisa Mark's Sixth Street. It's a lover's rock song. And it just reminds me, it makes me feel really pl- proud to be black and particularly black British because lover's rock is obviously a genre that was um, popularized in London by like second generation Jamaicans. My mum was part of that era a lot of the like lovers rock artists like she used to like knock about with and she used to tell me about like sound system parties and that whole culture and she's cool yeah (laughs) she was cool don't gas her oh my god i'm cool um yeah she was definitely like she was part of that era so knowing that it doesn't see a lot of like the black music that we listen to is like american um what's like predominantly popularized or Mm -hmm. even grime from the uk but lovers rock for me it just feels so i'm so closely connected to it and i feel like it's a massive like staple in the like black british experience yeah and that genre and my mum just used to play it all the time it's all we'd listen to growing up so that song it just makes me feel at home and feel proud to be like a black londoner do you feel a connection to your jamaican roots i mean obviously that's yeah like, i know the answer to that question yeah of but. course yeah no i do my grandma I grew up in a house um, with my grandma. I've lived with my grandma my whole life until I moved out to Hackney. Um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I met your grandma. Yeah, isn't she the best? She's so cute. She's so cute. <laughs> she's obsessed with her dog. It's so funny. Yeah, and she's Jamaican. My granddad was Jamaican. lived with him as well before he passed away. Um, we visit Jamaica really often. I used to go twice a year. Yeah. So I feel really, my family, Jamaicans are very Jamaican. Like Jamaicans <laughs> will never let you forget that they're Jamaicans. <laughs> my grandma's 93. She's been here for like 70 something years. Yeah. And she still has wow. the strongest Jamaican accent. Yeah. It will never go. I know people that have like, like two years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like done some of my friends that have done like, you know, a year abroad in America, American uni yeah. and come back with this Cali accent. I'm like, lol. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm clung on to my Canadian accent Yeah, as well. you've stayed true. Yeah. But then I go to Canada and they're like, you come over here with your fake British accent. I was no. like, bitch, please. You're like, so Canadian. I think so. You sound like Drake. Do I? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why I asked that question is I of course I'm so proud to be South Korean but it's taken me a long time to develop that relationship with myself mm. I've been doing a lot of like unpacking in order to feel love 
for yeah. that part of myself. And it's not that I hate that part of myself, but my family moved to Toronto from Seoul when I was six. So in order for me to like survive and assimilate, I had to be as close to white as possible. Mm. And so I had to diminish so much of my culture and so much of my Korean identity in order to fit in. Yeah. Because if I don't fit in, at school especially, then you're a target. Mm-hmm. You're bullied, all of those things. And I don't think I had a bad childhood in terms of being bullied about race. Toronto is very multicultural. I went to a really um, mixed school. But even then, I felt like I needed to like make myself small in order yeah. to not be loud and not be made fun of, basically, as a kid. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, I fully get that. And I think being Jamaican... It's like, it's always, it's cool to be Jamaican, but it's cool to be Jamaican because Jamaican culture has been popularized and it's accepted like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we like the Jamaican music. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're the Jamaican. Food, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, food. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Carnival. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, I like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And in school, and again, like music plays such a massive part in it because mm-hmm. in school, when I was in school, like if you were African, you'd get bullied or you'd get teased. But now Wizkid and right. Burner Boy, right. like things change and it's 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 just what is accepted by white people. What they mm-hmm. they're like, Oh yeah, 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 we yeah, we fuck with that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're yeah, cool, yeah, you're cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, Burner Boy, Wizkid, yeah. yeah, we get that. As yeah. well as Cartel. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then and then it's cool and then it's an acceptance and yeah, I, I can't remember. I had a point. I can't remember but I think that that in itself it just means like representation is what we need to focus on. Exactly. Like we can have these conversations, we can unpack all these things, but for the next generation, I feel like we need to have representation. And people it, need to be okay with seeing people that look like us. Exactly. In positions of entertainment and power and that's what my goal is, I think. Exactly, but even even still it's annoying that us to be accepted or yeah accepted I guess maybe not the right word but it's through entertainment purposes mm-hmm. it's just like you can listen to Vibes Cartel know all the lyrics and eat jerk chicken and go to carnival once a year but you can still be racist of course like yeah do you know <laughs> yeah because everyone keeps saying like London's so multicultural like it's surprising if people get racism and stuff and it's like to what point is it um acceptance mm. or is it tolerance yeah exactly because by numbers yeah okay statistically we can make up a percentage of the population but ultimately us just being here doesn't mean that we're accepted mm-hmm and we need more people of color in positions of power as well. I saw um, posted around Hackney this, it was like, vote. Uh, I think her name was Valerie Brown for mayor. And it's this black woman. And it's this new... I know Valerie Brown. And I was like, no way. Maybe it's the same one. <laughs> no. Her whole thing is that she's not a politician. Right. She's just like a normal person. Yeah. But I read her manifesto and it's actually really interesting. And I'm like, also love that you're not even going for local MP. You're going yeah, straight yeah. for mayor. I'm like, yes. If Trump can yeah. be president, why the hell not? Yeah. He wasn't a politician. No. Why can't Valerie Brown be mayor of London? And yeah, I think it's just seeing as well as, yeah, it's great having representation in the entertainment industry, but also having representation like in positions of power mm-hmm. as well. And that's behind the scenes in the music industry, oh my God. in the TV industry, like yeah. the TV industry is aw- like, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. It's awful. It's racist, it's sexist, it's homophobic. Yeah. 
no, you're you're not safe from any any yeah. industry, even like DJing. I think my style is like very eclectic. Like I I do play like cross genres. Mm -hmm. But I remember earlier on, now I've kind of, I guess, defined my sound a bit more. Mm -hmm. People know what to expect. But I remember like earlier on in like DJing and people kind of assuming or just wanting me to play like hip hop or Bashman. Because you're black. And R&B, because you're you're a black girl. Like obviously you're going to play like, I'm like, no, like, <laughs> want to play disclosure? Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like people don't understand that those, yeah. like you can like disclosure and you can like R and B. Exactly, like those two things can coexist. Together. We are layered, FYI, and that's why I literally do play. Like I'll mm -hmm. mix like R and B songs or Bashment songs into mm -hmm. like electronic song as well like that's my whole thing because it's like mm -hmm. why 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 do we need to be defined you can't why, define me you can't define me <laughs> <laughs> i almost because when they see a like small asian woman mm -hmm. i do think that people have like ideas of what i might play and sometimes yeah. that's why i want to play like drill and grime because yeah. i'm just like fuck you yes. like <laughs> no I'm one's small it exactly and like you know what i mean and sometimes you do want to turn that on the head and be like yeah and what are you going to do about it? But. Even with DJing, I watched this documentary. I can't remember if it was on Vice or whatever, but it was about um, the, like, just DJs. And all the most well-paid DJs, obviously, are white men. Mm -hmm. But also, they all play. All the money, when you're making, when you're talking millions and hundreds of thousands, it's all in, like, the oh, house yeah, electronic yeah. scene. There isn't, like, DJs, really, that play non i mean even though we know the the origins of houses mm -hmm. that comes from black people but mm -hmm. there aren't people there were no djs that play anything other than that music and they were all just like white why men. why do you think that is because the world is catered towards white men. wait <laughs> the world is catered towards white men newsflash <laughs> we've solved it that, that's it job done <laughs> and it's so frustrating and then like oh how far are we already like capped mm -hmm. in this career? I, I remember watching and thinking, I'm never gonna, you know, play these songs or playing these Vegas mm -hmm. super clubs. Yeah. It'll always just be a room two mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I'm like, well, am I capped? Will I ever be able to make X amount of money or gain that level of success um, because of the genres I play and because I'm not a white man? Mm -hmm. Um, so you just can't escape it. I can't think of a field where that isn't the case. It's fashion, music, TV. I, I think, like, like, don't quote me on this, but mm. I think the one career path that women earn more is porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Sadly. Yeah. That's what it is. And that's the most depressing thing I've said all day. But um, when yeah. you do feel that you are capped in that way because of what you would like, yeah and who you are does that drive you or does that feel limiting nah it do, like it does drive me because i'm i'm a rebel by nature i like um i like shaking things up <laughs> causing a bit of a ruckus yeah um Scorpio. Yeah, and a big <laughs> I don't e I don't even know if that's what a, a personality trait of Scorpio is. It's are. just me. Yeah, that's just, I, that's just you. <laughs> Troublesome. Um no, it definitely like pushes me more. Yeah. And makes me wanna Yeah, kind of like and it's it's something that's gonna 
take generations to do but I think even if each generation like takes a closer step towards like even if it doesn't happen in my generation but for the future generations like you know just helping that gateway yeah and making a change because it can't run like it can't run very much longer last year as well you worked with clarks to do something for jamaican independence day so why was that project so important to you that project that was so important to me because obviously clarks is a brand that is massive was massively i mean clarks was always going to be a popular british classic shoe brand but became cool Mm -hmm. and like you can see it on end clothing and things like that because of jamaica and vibes cartel and even before vibes but the the link with jamaica and clarks so clarks for jamaicans clarks is like christmas like jamaicans (laughs) love clarks so much (laughs) so to be asked to do something for Jamaican Independence Day with Clarks. That was just like, that was the biggest, comp- like yeah. I was gassed and yeah. I've never um, taken that role on before. Um, so I was really excited. It meant so much to me. Like I do a lot of like cool stuff and my mum's always like, oh, cool. Mm. <laughs> oh my God. But this, when I told them this, like they were so, so proud yeah. of me. They're always proud of me, but this I could tell like my grandma was so, so they proud understand. Of me. They understand it, yeah. like, when I say, yeah. oh, I'm doing this with Vanny yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, oh, cool, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Clocks? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. game changer. My, my parents are the same. They're like, if I'm like, hey, yeah, I did this thing with Nike, they're like, oh, yeah. Nike? Yeah, I'm like, exactly. oh, it's a brand you know. Yeah, exactly. They get it. Yeah. Um, That just, yeah, that meant the world. And the fact that I just had complete live create, creative direction um, to do what I want and tell the story that I wanted um yeah it was just a massive compliment and it's so good that brands like Clarks are recognizing that you know black people have really made you guys relevant yeah. in certain scenes as I said Clarks will always be that classic shoe for but British the roles that, yeah but yeah. in in mainstream media like Jamaicans have really made you relevant and not just Clarks there's a lot of brands and not just Jamaicans like people of color in general like stay setting trends or like but just aren't given the credit for it so it was sick that clark's kind of like recognizing they're doing a lot to um kind of big up and show pay homage to like jamaicans which is sick yeah it's banging it just made me very proud like that's that's the best thing yeah that's the highlight of any work i've ever done i think yeah i think when a korean Company hits me up eventually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they will. I'm just putting it out there in the universe. Put it guys. out, manifest it. That you, w- yeah, go on. Oh no, I was just gonna say that was like the perfect way to end the summer as well because we did that in like August, September. Yeah. So again, that was another thing where I was like, help me channel my energy yeah. into like doing something good and celebrating blackness. Yeah. You worked in TV and music, mm-hmm. which is worse mm, for race. Yeah. TV. Sexism. Music. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like, did you see the wireless lineup? Oh, my God. <laughs> they do it every year. But Honestly, it's, every but it, year. They, yeah, they, they can't. They I, don't care. No. Because, like, to look at that lineup and then to just be like, okay, well, I just won't get books. Yeah. And there's a lot, I think, has to do with, like, tokenism as well. I feel mm-hmm. like, and you must feel this, and the, if they have one woman on the lineup, then so, it, they almost feel like, well, we have a woman on the lineup. 
so many times I've been, I know I've been put on lineups for tokenism or to fit, uh, yeah, to just add to the lineup. And I'll be put on the first slot, um, the warm up slot. I'm yeah. just there to just be on the flyers. For the sake set. of I'm it, yeah. Like, bro, like, Do you say something in that instance? or? I think that doesn't happen as much now. But before, again, they these people do it because you're starting up and you, you haven't like established yourself yet. So you're mm-hmm. not, you feel like you're not in a position to say anything. Yeah. I think now if that happened, 100%, I would yeah. say like, that it wouldn't run. There's so many things I look back in, um, in regard to my sex and my race that I kind of took and... I just ignored. It's like picking or, your battles as well. Yeah, yeah, it? it is picking your battles. Like when you're starting up in this industry, the same with TV and most creative industries. Like it's not about it's not a meritocracy. It's about who you know. Yeah. Like fully, it doesn't matter how good a DJ. It doesn't matter because there's just so what many degrees you did. Yeah. yeah, in TV, like it's about who you know and who will like give you a reference. So you don't want to make enemies, especially starting up. So yeah, I'd keep my mouth shut. But now, not even because I think that I'm established, but it's just because my my morals mean so much more. My integrity, yeah. like, is so much more. Yeah. I think I haven't. Obviously, everything BLM and the Asian shootings. This has all happened still during lockdown. We haven't actually been out properly. properly. Yeah. And I just know my approach to bookings and working with people. I know it's just going to be different. Yeah. Like the way I speak to people or the way I'm, I allow people to speak to me, handling stuff, like even with like rates, it's just going to be completely different yeah. because I feel like BLM, it really helped me. It, it Like I had a breakdown 100%. Like I had a full on breakdown, but yeah. I came out from that like rebirthed. And I feel mm-hmm. like I, I have, I know... I figured out my identity so much more. It really oh helped God, me. That's that's no. Nah, it's like it's so beautiful. It, it really is, is yeah. because um, it just helped me figure out my place mm-hmm. in the world and really see how the world looks at me yeah. as a black woman. Yeah, you know, we're the bottom of society. We're bottom of the pile. Black trans women probably the bottom of the pile, but like yeah. we're just looked down on. And you kind of as hard as it is to like see that and accept that. There's so much power in that as well. Just knowing who you are and now how how I approach the world and yeah. work and life and people is different because yeah. of that. Because once you love yourself and you're like confident in who you are, exactly. nothing can knock you because you're like, whatever you think, whatever you perceive me, none of that shit actually matters because I know deep down who I am. Exactly. And I think I'm like a little bit like further back in that journey than you are i yeah. think i still i'm you know breakdown pending yeah yeah <laughs> it took months it did yeah. take months and there was so much strength in knowing it's decades of trauma it's decades it's of decades. trauma and you start to unpick things that have happened to you that mm-hmm. you've overlooked or you've swept under the rug yeah. and you've internalized and then yeah. it all just comes up and you're like well friendships that you start to question mm-hmm. and relationships and you're like wait there's people even up to last year or the year before last like I'd I'd have people in my life that I know would say things certain things now there's no way it wouldn't run these conversations could happen I know for a fact and I'm like that change of attitude Mm -hmm. and it's happened you know during lockdown we still haven't been 
around people as we would have, it's just going to be different. I hope you manifest <laughs> for this energy I'm bringing. It's not going to yeah. run. It makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's a sex issue, whether it's a race issue, like we have to stand up for ourselves. And I feel so supportive. The amount of um, support and traction that BLM got last year, I've realized I've never felt so powerful being a black woman. Yeah. And I feel like if, I say something for the first time, people are actually going to listen. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I realized I've never felt like this before. Yeah. And I realized how, that if there's ever a time that I'm empowered, it's right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel the support of um, my community. I feel the support of black people. I feel the support of like people of color, even like some white people as well. Yeah. Like, which is the mo- annoyingly we know is the most important thing because without they, they the make su- the changes yeah without yeah. the support of white people these movements then they're not gonna they're not gonna be heard or listened mm-hmm. to the the word of the year for last year for me was accountability mm-hmm. that is that's my favorite new favorite word it was my most used word i'd say of 2020 yeah accountability now honestly i hold <laughs> i'm accountability police <laughs> <laughs> nothing gets past yeah me. i feel you i'm like getting to that point as well where i'm just like if i don't do it who else is gonna do yeah, it i feel so isolated it's hard though it's hard and it is a process and it's like about learning boundaries and kind of figuring out what you're gonna tolerate and what you're gonna allow to happen like i don't want to be in a situation where something said or something happens i don't say anything then i go home mm-hmm. and then i'm thinking about it and i'm because like, that ultimately is the most important part mm-hmm. it's like how you think about the situation when you're by yourself yeah because i'm like i can get racist abuse or sexist abuse and then it's it's that alone time that really gets to me where yeah. i'm like i'm just like in bed and i'm like oh i wish i said that exactly or like oh i wish i stood up for myself or like ugh. i don't know though it's tricky because those moments happen so quickly yeah they do and sometimes it's not the safest thing to be like confronting back yeah so when that happens to you what do you do i'd say now depending yeah again on the situation whether that safety is an issue of course that always has to be taken into account but i sometimes i can't help but pick things up straight away Mm. now like i'm so on job yeah but if not if if it's someone that I respect as well or I have some sort of relationship with, depending on the scenario, but say we're in a room with other people, maybe I wouldn't. And it all depends, it's all relative. It depends what was said. But most times, like maybe I'll pull someone to the side afterwards or like even drop them a message or call them after like, hey, so... But I, I think my tolerance levels have changed with things concerning race... I think it's a it's a chop, it's a chop, yeah. like it's a straight chop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pull you up on it once. Depending on your react, if your reaction isn't, I'm so. If your reaction is, <laughs> I'm not racist. Yeah, it's a chop. Yeah, it's a chop, and you're done. I realize I've come to an age where I'm like, I I have a lot of friends. I love all my friends. I'm I have enough spare to lose a few, and I'm absolutely like it's not fine my with job. that. It's not educate. my job. It's not my job to educate. Like Google After is there. After the year we've had. Google is free. And if that wasn't enough for you to 
The thing is as well, why there's no excuses, we've been in lockdown. Mm -hmm. You've had nothing, to, you've been at home. Everyone has been at home. You've had time to sit and research, but it's painful because you then have to realize that you're, you are inherently racist and you have a lot of things to unlearn and mm -hmm. it's hard. And then you have to start holding your friends accountable and your family members accountable. And it's just like, oh, it's long, like life's kind of okay. For me like why do i need to like do this painful stuff like i'm i'm okay i have white privilege yeah. and then it's painful so if you don't have the time to do that i don't have the time for you to be yeah. in my life like honestly it's a chop if they can't be bothered to just feel uncomfortable yeah in in thinking about these things and it's like this is non-negotiable for me like i don't i don't have the time i don't have the energy mm -hmm. but yeah like did you end up having to lose some friends last year um yeah there's definitely people that like I've distanced myself from yeah um a hundred percent but I'm very fortunate like all the all, all the white people in my life like I always think if would I feel you can be in my life if I know that I can feel as comfortable talking about BLM with another person of color mm -hmm. like passionately mm -hmm. and then feel as comfortable talking about it the same way with you mm -hmm. or with you in the room do you know what i mean yeah. like you know sometimes white person say yeah. you kind of tone it down like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no nah, i'm not toning it down like and yeah. if you're okay with that and if you can take that and if you can add to the conversation and not feel uncomfortable um then you're cool you can stay otherwise <laughs> you get the chop <laughs> go off and do some reading then come back when you're educated yeah and it's not a beef thing it's just i need to be selective mm -hmm. and i can't for 28 years i've realized i've no, but it's it's like molding yourself in yeah, order I've to make others comfortable and i've made my blackness like minimize yeah, yeah i've minimized it and i'm like that i'm absolutely not gonna yeah. do that to make anyone yeah. feel comfortable again like if you can't even be bothered to do a bit of research and you know stop your learn what microaggressions are why am i like making minimizing myself mm -hmm. like it's cr it's crazy and i look back at so many times where i've done that and it makes me so angry but yeah. you can't take back time no you can't what's done is done we yeah. can just learn from it and i i definitely have a new energy yeah. and i'm i'm grateful for it to be honest i'm glad i feel like i've awoken from my slumber from yeah. the sunken place yeah. no i wasn't in the sunken place but i was just like I was sleeping. I feel as though with myself personally, I I feel like I wasn't holding myself accountable. Yeah. For like the internalized racism I had to my own self. Mm. And it's so horrible to sit and to think about all of these things. And I think what a lot of people have issues doing is when things like George Floyd, the Atlanta shootings, when those things happen, they're like, yeah, but it's like, obviously, even if they acknowledge how horrible those moments are, they think it's an isolated moment. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't understand that that was the trigger to then all of my life trauma. Yeah. And then all of every single look, every single comment, all of those things come rushing back. And then those things then like it feels like I'm being buried mm -hmm. by all of these like oppressive things. But coming off of that, what do you look for in an ally? Um, accountability <laughs> being number one, being able to listen and just understand. I mean, 
and I, I will never really understand but I guess the willingness to learn and be held accountable is just really important for me and to speak up it's one thing us having these conversations in private but also telling and talking about it to other people of color but you know talk have these conversations with your white friends yeah and with your family members that's like a must yeah we can't just have these little chats when you're around mine like you you need to be taking this information and yeah you know doing stuff and yeah, just acknowledging like that white privilege is like really a thing and so many people have this still idea that it just happens in America and it's America and it's like no people don't understand those those Asian women were killed not because of who they were or their net like it's because they were Asian women you could have been an asian woman there at that time and you would have been killed george floyd wasn't killed because he was george floyd he was a black person i could have been that at that time like it could be any of us so we feel connected yeah they don't get it (laughs) they just don't get it yeah like what what more can we do but i guess we just have to talk about it forever they just all the time yeah yeah no action actions speak louder than words yeah (laughs) <laughs> accountability the word for the day yeah no accountability is the word for the year mate <laughs> we're bringing it into our lives I think. yeah no this is a lifelong life. journey everything accountability yeah. police but um yeah thank you so much for coming on the pod oh God, it's been great time's flown <laughs> um yeah drop um your socials and stuff so people can check you out you can follow me our on instagram it's George with two S's dot DJ. And no, don't follow my Twitter. It's nonsense. <laughs> I need to be held accountable <laughs> for my Twitter. <laughs> Let's not share. <laughs> I love how messy Twitter is. It's, this is it's, so messy. To me, I'm like, this is my safe place. <laughs> it really is. Cool. Fun. Yay. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to George. I'll be back next week, so make sure you subscribe, follow, and rate the show to keep posted on new episodes. You can also get in touch with me at Don't Call Me Exotic Pod and at ONEO on Instagram. Oh, and make sure you don't call people exotic. Bye!